Yes, this is Ska. Original and indigenous. The music of guitar, saxophone, trumpet, bass, and drums. One step What's up, Ozers? Welcome to Punk Lotto Pod. I'm your co-host, Justin Hensley. I'm your other co-host, Dylan Hensley. And this is the show where we choose one year at random and select one punk, hardcore, emo, or punk-adjacent album from that year to discuss. And we are in the middle of Skagist, literally in the middle. Last week, we started off with our two-tone discussion on the selectors, too, mu- too much pressure. And today, we're going to do a third wave record. But before we get into that... If you head over to our Patreon, that's patreon.com slash punklottopod. For $1, you get access to all of our weekly bonus audio. And last week, we did a chart dive on the year 1995, and we discussed the non-punk albums of 95, because we've done a punk album before, a punk album chart before, and we've done a modern rock chart for 1995 before. So we discussed the more general non-punk music from that year. How would you describe that episode? It was a little bit silly. <laughs> it is very hard to go into a normal episode immediately after recording a, a Patreon like that, because that's a that's a kind of a level of silliness and energy that is only for the patrons. <laughs> yeah, it's a little more loosey goosey over there. <laughs> yeah, uh, we definitely like go off in way more tangents <laughs> than yeah. normal on that episode. Yeah. Mainly because what we're given to talk about as far as what's on the charts. 1995's non-punk output, not great. We'll, we'll leave it at that. And then you can get access to any other audio that's produced. I think I finally figured out how to do a new release audio. <laughs> so I, I think after being on Night Shift for a, a couple months now and trying to figure out like when I'm going to fit this in and how to do it, I think I've come up with a... A schedule or a timeline to do it so uh, i'm gonna try and do one of those soon see how it works it might be less albums per week and maybe not on fridays it'll be more like monday or tuesday but uh give myself a little time to like l- listen to stuff so be on the lookout for that there's moon Pies for misfits in there that's my try and drinks video series uh that i stole the name from dylan yeah i wasn't using it it's fine <laughs> well you had it for an uh, instagram handle yeah I um I have not logged back into that account in a long time. I don't I had to get a new phone this year, so I lost they're not automatically, you know, whenever you reinstall an app and then you're just like like I I the only other account that I've added back to my Instagram is like is the band. Uh there's a couple of other Instagram accounts that I have. I'm like, I don't wanna do this. I don't have a reason <laughs> to post something. Yeah, I think I've burned off a lot of the like desire to just like post as much as i used to back in like the tumblr days whenever like i had like five tumblers like yes posting different types of content is very weird yeah i i still have a strong urge to post uh but it's mostly just tweets still yeah that's that's enough of an outlet Though, really, I think the Discord has been probably one of my favorite outlets recently. If you head over to the Patreon, you get access to our Discord. And uh, you join, I'll send you an invite. There's a way to like link 
your Patreon directly to your Discord, but it's very convoluted. And Patreon, for as like big as they are, their apps suck, and like their website sucks. It's very badly like I don't know designed, and they're always trying to change things too, and they mess things up. Like it used to be easier to tag your Discord to your Patreon, and now it's like you can only do it on a computer. I feel like, but so if you join, I'll send you an invite link, and then you can use that to join there. And if you join at the $10 tier, it's a one-time $10 donation. You get to choose what album we devote an entire episode on. And I was messaged earlier this week by another patron to be like, I've got an idea for one. So we've got a couple maybe heading our way, which would be cool. I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, what these folks choose for us to talk about. Uh, one was described as uh, punishing. So I. I uh... <laughs> oh, good. We haven't had one of those in a while. <laughs> I don't think a patron has actually chosen anything punishing for us. I think we've just punished each other. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, all that patreon.com slash punk And speaking of the Patreon, if you were a patron this month, you could have voted in the poll to help determine what album we talk about today. So for third wave, we knew we had a lot of options and someone recommended is like, Hey, you should do a poll for third wave. And I was like, That sounds like a good idea. So what Dylan and I did is we each chose two albums of third wave ska bands and put them in a poll. And the one we're talking about today is the winner, obviously. And it it won by like a lot. I could even pull up the percentage too real quick. It was close. Oh, it's closer now than it was. Um, But at 63%, the Bruce Lee band self-titled album won. That's a pretty hefty margin still. In second place, it was MU330's Chumps on Parade with 38%. And tied for last place, Five Iron Frenzy's our newest album ever and RX Bandit's Progress, both 0%. Clearly, no one wanted to hear us talk about those albums. <laughs> I know our listeners, uh, I know our patrons and their interest in Scott better than you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so before we get to the actual uh, Bruce Lee Band record, I thought we would at least talk about the three other options that we selected and kind of like talk about yeah, why we chose them and our just general thoughts on those albums. So let's do a sandwich. I'll do my first one and then you'll do your not winner and then I'll do my other one. So I let's start with this one. I chose RX Bandit's Progress. Do we call them RX Bandits or do we call them Prescription Bandits? I don't know. <laughs> that is kind of their deal. They, they used to be called mystery. that at one point, but I don't know. Um, I went with that record because they're a band that I've always been like, people love this band or they think and they're like really critically well regarded for the most part. I remember seeing their albums during like 90s, 2000s, like looking at ska music. And just being like, what's that band's deal? I know they like turned into like a prog rock band and they have a couple records in the 90s that were like straightforward albums. Like the earlier stuff was a little more straightforward. And I wanted to choose one that was like more a mixture of like what they are now and what they started off as something that felt very third wave. Because the later stuff, I don't think it it feels necessarily as third wave. And the ska elements in that actually probably feel more like reggae elements, weirdly, in the later stuff. This was purely a, I don't know what the deal with that band is. I don't think I'd ever listen to a single album by them. 
I was just like, sure, let's try this. I've never listened to them. Let's see what's going on. They're well regarded. Let's do this record. So I chose the first one that like starts the really proggy stuff, which is progress. And I think it's kind of the more iconic album cover, too. I've definitely seen that album cover way more than any of their others. Uh, I actually listened to it in preparation. I just listened to all of these choices in preparation for this week's episode, just just so I could talk about them in general. But it's definitely my least favorite out of all of them, and I'm kind of glad it didn't win. But maybe there's also a lot to talk about there, too. I don't know. It, it, I think we would have found plenty to talk about, mainly about like how weird the record is. But if it comes to like repeat listens, it's the one I want to listen to again the least. Have you ever heard that record? I may have heard stuff from it. I I I remember hearing a little bit of their music, and I don't, but I don't really know what they sound like. I can't really properly explain to you what they sound like. I know they're weird, but yeah. um, yeah. Well, you also nominated "Chumps on Parade" by Mu Three Thirty. And my response to that was, that's not even one that Dan sings the whole thing on. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. It's it is the one that um, Dan sings more on. I'm not sure what the actual breakdown of lead vocals are on that one. But Chumps on Chumps on Parade. So uh, while I was thinking of what to choose for this poll, I guess I was thinking of like, what are the ska bands that I really like? that maybe we haven't done on the show before. And I think we've talked about Amy 330 a little bit in, you know, probably like Patreons, but we've never really dedicated, we've definitely never dedicated an entire episode to them. And Amy 330 is one of my favorite third wave sky bands, like of all time. Like it's definitely one of my top, I don't know. I, I don't know where I'd rank them. Top five for sure. Uh, I want to say maybe even top three. I have yeah. to think about that. And Chumps on Parade is... So, like, Crab Rangoon is, like, the best one, I guess, by MU330 fans' definitions. It's prob- I probably would say it is their best one. But for some reason, Chumps on Parade is the one that I'm most familiar with. Uh, I guess I had it on my computer, and I guess I didn't have Crab Rangoon on my computer. I, I remember, I just remember hearing songs from this record all the time when I would just, like, shuffle my iTunes and irritate my college roommates. And, uh... <laughs> Just the like absolute nonsense of like power violence into ska into the Avett Brothers into you know, just whatever random stuff I had on my <laughs> iTunes that I would listen to from my like laptop speakers or like the little computer speakers. I did upgrade <laughs> to those. I did get the little you remember those computer speakers that you plug into the headphone jacks? Yeah, the little baby monitors. Yeah, the, the marginally better than laptop speakers speakers. <laughs> yeah. Which I want to say is how I listened. Man, I probably played my records through those, too. <laughs> for most of my time in college. Uh, so Chumps on Braid is the one that is the MU330 record that I'm most familiar with. It's the one I've probably listened to songs the most. Wide Awake, State of Mind, Bad and Married, Since the Short Long is Gone, Johnny Jump Jokes, Fried Chicken. Um, there's some <laughs> dumb stuff on here. Hot Dogs. <laughs> it's fun. It's just a it's just a wild fun record, which I think is just how you would describe you through 30 in general. And I, I'm even kind of uh, an apologist for press, which is not well regarded. I think that's that's a good record, too. But Chumps, Chumps 
even though it's not Dan lead vocals the whole time, it is where Amy 330 really figured out who they were. Uh, and I think it is just really consistent quality from beginning to end. So I revisited Chumps just to get a refresher on it. And I was like, I know every single one of these songs on this record. Like, I listen to this record a lot, too. The breakdown is a little bit more even. It is probably closer to 50-50, maybe not exactly, maybe like a 60-40. But Dan sings way more than he does on Press. Press, he just does, what, Who's Your Love? And that's it. He has a couple songs. I don't think it's as many as you remember. I think it's mostly the other guy. Yeah, but Chumps on Parade, I was like, okay, this record actually is really fun and really good. It's a little, it's long. It's 50 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> 19 songs, but it it kind of flies by. Uh, I think the, sh- the songs are short. I think that's why it goes by pretty quickly. And they're pretty fun. I still definitely go with like Crab Rangoon, Ultra Panic, and the self-titled over Chumps and Press. I just prefer. I just don't really particularly like <laughs> the other guy's voice that much. I kind of am blanking on his name, but I don't know. He just does like a, a he does like a tries too hard singing thing. Like he tries to be too good, like tries to be a really good singer, but he's not. I don't know. But yeah, revisiting it, I was like, OK, this record actually is really, really good. So it's it's more fun and more evenly down the middle vocal line. And then I chose our newest album ever by Five Iron Frenzy. Because they were like my favorite band for a really long time. And they just recently announced that they were repressing their entire discography, including albums that had never been pressed on vinyl before. And there's like a compilation going to be in there, too. I'm pretty stoked about that's like best uh, like B-side rarity type things, except like it's not just like Jesus of Nazareth on vinyl again. They actually like pick and chose like the best songs and then other songs that weren't were on other B-side collections. But. I I hadn't listened to our newest album ever in a while, and it was always the one that I was like, it's my favorite. It's their best record. And I think it is probably still their like best third wave ska record. But I think I've grown to be more of a the end is here. The end is near or uh, electric boogaloo fan. I think I think I like those more or even like quantity is job one minus the pants opera. But But our newest album ever is really fun and it has a lot of really, really just great songs. Like it has their all time hit, their show closer every new day, which gets me every time I listen to it. it the especially like the outro to that song, I think because it reminds me of like the final concert performance where it was like they were breaking up. And then so that it always it always hits me. But this record also has Handbook for the Sellout, which I think is one of their best songs like ever. And some funny tracks like Superpowers and Sucker Punch, Blue Comb, Oh Canada. The funny songs I kind of burned myself out on. And I've over time, you ever do that thing where you like love a band so much that like the deep cuts become your favorite songs? Yeah. So then yeah. it becomes like Banner Year and Second Season are like my actual favorite songs off this record now. So, yeah, but it's it's just a really fun record. It's really good. It's definitely their best album. And it has a funny name. It's their newest album ever. And it was only their second of like, how many did they do? They did like six in the original run or five, six if you count the live record, seven if you count the EP. But yeah, eight, I just eight if you count cheeses. Yeah, eight if you count cheeses. Yeah. <laughs> Before someone 
I'm just going to go ahead and put the correction here uh, before someone yells at us for our uh, MU330 facts not being correct. The other guy is actually two guys. Uh, so it's John Cavanaugh on press, and it is Jason Nelson on Chumps on Parade. So it's two oh. different other guys who said <laughs> John played uh, trumpet as well. Uh, but then Jason Nelson, who's on Chumps, doesn't do anything else. He was just vocals. So Oh, weird. Yeah, I guess I Dan. Do? I guess Dan was like, I can't be the lead singer and the guitarist. Maybe, maybe it was yeah, just like a he hadn't quite figured out how to play and sing that much. Maybe I don't know. Because he was the only there. He was the only guitar player. So yeah, which is interesting because they sound very full. Like it doesn't feel like a well a one guitar band overdubs. I mean, but yes, I know overdubs, <laughs> but just I guess the type of chords he's playing too and everything. But yeah, so the actual winner, and we'll just get we'll get into that. We don't have to really talk about 1995 because we did a big chart dive on it, and uh, I didn't see a lot of other ska. So, no, surprisingly, uh, maybe we'll pull it up here in a in a minute just to get a reference. But let's talk about the Bruce Lee Band and their self titled album, The Bruce Lee Band. No time to trade quips with Lois about being tongue tied together. This is a job for Superman. It's hard to find like a uh, when did this band form? It's because it's basically Mike Park solo with whoever he gets to play with him. But we'll just say formed in 1995, released December 1995 on Dill Records. And this is the band's debut full length. The person on the album is Mike Park, a.k.a. Bruce Lee on vocals, sax and acoustic guitar. Roger Manginelli, a.k.a. Roger Lee on bass and vocals. Vinny Fiorello, a.k.a. Vinny Lee, on drums. Krista Makes, a.k.a. Chris Lee, on guitar and vocals. They all went with the Bruce Lee, Lee gimmick. Recorded and produced in Gainesville, Florida, with Bob McPeak, Darren Neufer, and the rest of the band. Which, already, I'm like, Mike Park in Gainesville, Florida? That's weird. That's the, you're in the wrong side of the country, Mike. Uh, for those unfamiliar, uh, Roger, Vinny, Chris... And Darren are are or were, I don't think they're all still a part of it, but members of Less Than Jake. So the backing band of the Bruce Lee band is Less Than Jake. And yeah, a trend that continues on later records is different backing bands. Yeah. Which we'll talk about later. Which makes the Gainesville thing make sense. I'm sure he was just like out there. and Yeah. They made, they made the record there because it would make more sense for him to go to them. Yeah, right. Because everyone else is there already. And yeah, uh, the Bruce Lee Band formed as a side project for Mike Park while his time in Skank and Pickle was winding down. He did leave Skank and Pickle in 1996. Uh, he, I think he was just burnt out. They were touring a lot, and he was just like tired, very tired. And if you know anything about Mike, he doesn't really like touring that much. And uh, he announced his departure from, from Skank and Pickle in the liner notes of the Green album. which So the album came out in 96, so it was pretty much obvious that like, okay, this record came out in 95. He's already done with Skank and Pickle, really. 
and he was starting his record label at this time. Asian Man had not quite been formed yet. They formed in 1996, so the following year. Yeah. And, and yeah, so yeah. Um, side project, essentially, that uh, became the only project for a minute. And then it goes on and does some other things. But So I haven't got to ask this in a minute. What made you choose this album to talk about? Out of all of the Mike Park bands, there are so many. Yeah, it. I think because it's because it is just Mike Park, maybe is kind of like the appeal was kind of the appeal of it. it was I was thinking like, oh, a Mike Park band would make sense, but I was just thinking like, I don't love any Skanking Pickle records that much, which is blasphemy. You know, <laughs> and I like Skanking. I like Skanking Pickle, but they're they're not my favorite thing he's ever done. Not even um, Sing Along. That's like the one. It's, I didn't say I didn't like it. I think you did. Didn't you just say that? I said I don't love it. Oh, okay. There's, there's a difference. <laughs> what if we adopted like a new combative attitude of the, <laughs> on this show? Just like brothers who don't get along, which is the exact opposite of what we've ever been. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This one, it, I guess I was thinking, it was kind of thinking along the lines of like, the new Bruce Lee band records have all been really good. Like some of the best stuff he's ever done. And, but I was thinking like, well, that's also kind of like, I mean, it's not new tone because it, you know, because of who he is and like, it's, you know, he, it's, he comes from the third wave and like, that's his legacy. So, but I, I figured if I, I was interested in those records to possibly talk about, but I figured why not just go listen to the actual third wave one, the one from the nineties and talk about that one. Um, and because it's like, I, I guess it's the band that is, is interesting because it was like a one-off originally. And then now it's like, his like, it's almost his primary. Yeah. It really is his only music. Uh, output no. currently. I get, he's done more of them recently than he's done other stuff. Yeah. There's yeah, that's tough. I don't I don't know how active Ogi Kubo Station is. I think Ogi Kubo's done. I think I've seen him post something recently about them being like pretty much done. Yeah, I mean, because Mara I think lives in like Ohio, and I think she's in Ohio. She's in the Midwest somewhere. Yeah, you know, Mike's still in Silicon Valley. It's of the bands that he's associated with, the one that you expect new material from is right. probably the Bruce Lee band. So I thought that was kind of interesting to be like. You know, it was like a one-off solo project kind of thing, but it's also like his current main project. So I figured it'd be interesting. And it's it's Mike Park, so they're all it's all in play. I mean, honestly, like everything yep. he's done is it's fair game in the conversation. But I'm trying to remember when I would have heard this first, I definitely knew Skanky Pickle first. Like that was the one that I was introduced to first by Mike Park. And I definitely knew about the Bruce Lee band and the Chinkies, which it is so funny how casually you people just say the name of that band. <laughs> it is very funny. It's a racial slur, but it's like it's the name of the band and everyone says it. They always say it. No one ever doesn't say it. It's funny. It's definitely it's it's a name that you have to remember is a racial slur. Like, you have to like check yourself mentally when you say the name or when you think about the name because you're like, oh, I should not, <laughs> I should not say this the name of this band most places. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I was doing research on the album at work and like I was like, I should not have the Chinkies album name and like cover like <laughs> on my screen for very long. I should I should I should pull this down real quick. It yeah, it's one of those things where it, it's it's also like an old timey racist slur that you're just like, what? Huh? <laughs> you know, like it's it's not used really that much, but they named themselves that. And yeah. Yeah. They let everybody say their name, so. Uh. Yeah, right. I mean, and they they named themselves that as a point of being like, this is racist. <laughs> like, anti-Asian racism does exist. Yeah. And Mike Park's Korean, <laughs> too, which is also like the other thing. It's like, is the rest of the band? No. I don't remember. So if the rest of the band is also Korean as well, because there's an EP that came out like, a year or two ago, there's a new Chinkies EP and it was called like KA music, which is Korean American music. But I don't know if it's just because it was, I think it's Steve Choi, I think is who his, his band member is in the Chinkies. And it was, it was a very like just him and Mike and like some extra people. So I don't know if the Chinkies as a whole were a Korean band. So even then it's like another layer of like, cause I think there was like a story that Mike Park shared about like being called a racial, racial slur for Asian, like Chinese people or something. And he's like, it's wrong race, like yeah. wrong country. <laughs> I, I don't think that they are all the, the name band members names are like Osaki, Thin, Choi, Higuchi. Yeah. So I think they are just a, they were all Asian all Korean, of yeah. different, of different backgrounds. Which, which I think it would be funnier if they're, plays they're... in, which also plays into the name of being like, you know, yeah, people just like kind of like blindly hurl, they pick a <laughs> slur and it's just like, yeah, you're that. And it's like, no, I'm not. I'm not that at all. <laughs> yeah. Addressing racial Asian American race racism specifically, uh, like that's been like a really big role in uh, most of Mike Park's output, you know, which you know, he helped form the. Scott against racism tour and all that stuff. So yeah, plea for peace and all that kind of stuff. Cool stuff. Always very on, on the, you know, that as like the message forefront. So uh, I was trying to remember the first time I heard the Bruce Lee band though. And I think, I think it was on the mail order is fun compilation. It's like one of the Asian man records comps. And I think it's the first volume. Cause there's, I think Jerry is strong is on there. And then I think there's also a chinky song on there too. Because it's just like, these are the albums I have for sale, you know, at this time. So he put all stuff on there. And uh, yeah, so Bruce Lee was the his nickname in Skank and Pickle. He was Mike Bruce Lee Park, which also feels like it's probably another like he was called that by white people. And then he was like, took it back type thing scenario. Yeah, uh, because there's like multiple clips on this record, of, like people being called Asian people being called Bruce Lee. Yeah. <laughs> and the samples on this record and what's kind of funny about that is so the band is called the bruce lee band they go and get the album produced at a record plant that is owned by robert lee bruce lee's brother <laughs> and he contacted mike park directly i guess there's probably like a p.o box or like something in there and he basically was like Hey, uh, so the Bruce Lee Foundation owns all name and likeness of Bruce Lee. So you might want to change it. I think he was trying to be like, hey, you should probably change this somewhat. It wasn't like him being like, you need to change this now. Like, he, yeah. I think he was just like, I know what the Bruce. He, I don't think he's involved with it. 
or maybe he's the decisions that that group made and he was just kind of like giving him a friendly warning to be like hey you might uh he's like i get it it's fine it's fun uh but uh let's uh maybe change it before you get sued but <laughs> they're very protective of the name <laughs> so they changed for future pressings they changed it to the Lee band which is i think is the version that you see on like the album art on a lot of places online for it the weirdly like they just call it the bruce lee band now so i don't know if he just like got permission or something later to use it but it's weird I guess he was more scared of it and then was like, well, nothing happened. And then just kept going. Uh, <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, I thought that was really funny that the plant he was owned by Robert Lee, which is hilarious. It's just like, wow, coincidence. So to me, this record, like I knew this album, I'd heard it before. I don't think it was one I came to that much, though. It's not one I visited a ton. So I was definitely very excited to like dive into it, really. I've heard it before multiple times, but yeah, I think I've heard I think I've heard the other stuff more frequently. Do you remember the first time you heard them? Um, not really. I I knew this. I knew from comps. Yeah, like of the band uh, and then knew the later stuff pretty pretty well like i was definitely paying attention listening to that stuff when it came out like everything will be all right my friend came out in 2014 so i definitely listened to that then or like early in 2015 something like that so i've definitely paid attention to like the newer stuff that they put out as it was coming out and more than likely would have gone back and listened to this record at some point most likely when i was working at the bank and I had eight hours a day to listen to things <laughs> where I would have just been like, all right, I'll listen to the seaweed discography, <laughs> the super chunk discography, Mike Park's discography. I bet I could find out. I bet I could find out when I listen to it. Oh, that's right. Your last FM is like immaculate. Like you I, still you have maintained it consistently. There's there's pockets where the stuff's missing. Let's see here. All time. Where does I spike? Yeah, I may, may, may be missing some stuff. I only have a couple of songs from this one that I listened to in 2015. So either it just didn't all scrabble or, yeah. I've definitely heard this record, though. There's enough stuff on here that it's pretty familiar from beginning to end for me. So in listening to this ep- for this episode. Yeah, so revisiting, what did you think of it? I think it's good. I think it's, um, I don't think that... Mike's voice is at his strongest here and it could be some fatigue from Skank and Pickle but I also just think his voice I mean probably just as he matured like his voice really locks in on the chinkies because even like the Skank and Pickle stuff I don't think that his lead vocals are his best I mean he's fine adequate but I think he's like as a singer he really comes into his own probably after this record uh, but I mean, you know, he's he's got a great sense of melody from the beginning. So it's like it's not 
his performance isn't the best that it could be, but the songs are are good, are really good. They're really strong melodies, and that it's just like it doesn't he doesn't have to sing it like super well. But I do I do think his voice sounds better later. Yeah, because he's just on this record. He's just like I said, vocals, sax, and the acoustic guitar on this album. So even as a guitar player, he's not even doing that much. Yeah. Like there's a couple acoustic tracks on here. Yeah, I think I think his his solo music is probably where he became like his strongest as a singer because it was just him and the guitar on a lot of that stuff. Like it was pretty much acoustic. Those records are like all acoustic. And actually, I remember that was my original introduction to Mike Park was his appearance on the Hopelessly Devoted to You compilation. It was uh, his his acoustic version of uh, Asian Prodigy, which I think is originally a Skanky Pickle song. Maybe I think it's an older song that he redid solo. And that was the first thing I ever heard by them. I, him. I remember that doing research. And uh, yeah, I think that's where his voice like smooths out because he's definitely a little like. Is it pitchy? Is that what you describe it? Or he just kind of like cracks a lot when he sings? He, he cracks a lot on this record. And, and I mean, it's yeah, you could say pitchy. He's not like wildly off the notes or anything like that. But, there, you know, yeah, there's stuff where he's maybe a little flat or he's, he, he kind of wobbles on a run or something like that. But it's not anything that's like, you know, it's not like <laughs> super bad singing or anything like that. It's yeah, just yeah. it's just natural, like you know imperfections that where they're just like yeah it's fine i'm not gonna re-record that it's fine yeah so what do you think of less than jake as the band basically it's probably the weakest part of the record yeah that's that was my thinking too i was this this isn't even the best that less than jake would get to either like yeah and that was one thing i wanted to look up they had released pez core in 1995 that was the album that they put out that year and i don't think that's even considered like one of their like best records let's see yeah that's the oh, okay that's their first record so they were like still new yeah man that that makes sense less than jake i've never gotten into less than jake i don't i think you know we've probably joked about less than jake in like a ew less than jake way you know like but <laughs> i don't it's fine it's it's fine that there's someone else for someone else like I was I was thinking of this recently or yesterday actually I was just like a rating a rating trying to devise a rating system in my head of like not for me and I don't get why anyone would like it not for me but I get why people like it uh this is for me but I get why <laughs> other people don't like it this is for me but I don't get why other people don't like it more <laughs> or I don't get how someone could not like this um which is such a such a subjective <laughs> rating system yeah it means nothing to anyone reading that they yeah. would have to like know you very well to be able to be like well what does a not for me but i have other people might like it rating mean from this guy yeah it, it's which i mean admittedly subjective rating systems aren't a bad idea to be upfront with them and be like this is my completely because like there's something like undefined and like experienced expects people to have like an objective standard to be able to agree with when you just have like a number system or a star system or something like that that if you if you change that to just being like subjective qualities then you like force people to have to engage with what you're saying so it's it's not the i don't think it's the worst system. oh yeah i mean i always 
my five star is definitely not the same as a lot yeah. of other people's five star. I also will just throw those things out there and give them away wildly. You know, like I'm definitely like, man, this rocks. Five stars. What is it? Sure. <laughs> but but less than Jake is like less than Jake is a pretty quintessential like not for me, but I get why they're for someone else uh, band. I've never really connected with them. I've never really honestly tried like to any substantial degree. Like I've never really put on a less than Jake album. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's not true. I may have tried at least one at one point, but, but up to that point And ever since then, every time I've ever heard them, I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not motivated enough to go listen to them. Um, so I, them being really early on and them being the backing band on this record, I think it, is the weakest aspect of it i think i think that it's it's lacking the focus of having like a real band behind it Uh, and and it probably could have turned out this way with any number of bands i don't really know the full story of how this record was written and recorded like it very easily could have been like he sent them demo tapes and then they learned the songs really fast and then he showed up and they recorded them and you know it's almost a demo of an album i doubt they had like extensive practices i I don't think he went and lived in gainesville for a year no i i also was like i don't know if anyone else's experience as we've mentioned this before on the show but the internet has become almost impossible to research anything on anymore especially with like music because it just turns into websites trying to sell you the albums like that's all the results you get on stuff and a lot of that information too I think was stored in the like the blogosphere, the angel fire geocities, like old websites that don't exist anymore realm. Yeah. So now it's like, it's just lost. And so your best bet is maybe to find like scans of print media. Like that's your best bet to find anything anymore. Uh, Like I'm sure there's like a ton of zines that interviewed, you know, Mike around this time, you know, well, maybe not even a ton. There might be one. True. Yeah, I, I didn't really see much of a story. I didn't research it from the less than Jake approach, but everything I looked up just talked about how it was like articles written around the 2014 comeback. And it's yeah. like, listen, Jake formed in 19 or Brian, uh, Bruce, uh, Bruce Lee band formed in 1995 and the first record and then went dormant. And it was just like, I want to know the story of this record. Like, I understand, like, he was still technically in Skank and Pickle. This is less than Jake is the band and produced the record. Went to Gainesville to do it. You know, like, tell me the story. Maybe there's a podcast that tells the story, but it's you have to listen to an entire podcast to find it in, you know, or multiple podcasts. So, yeah, unfortunately, I think the Internet has become way worse when it comes to uh, researching things like this. And uh, it sucks. I hate it. It has um, every web every website is like a computer built um, SEO machine that copies the same information from every other website. It's it's horrible to try and <laughs> find anything unless you know specifically where it's talked about and you put in that website's name. It's impossible to find any information. Yeah. Um. There's an in defense of ska that probably would have interview been that probably talks about. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're more interested in the story, you might go listen to that. <laughs> I also kind of refuse to listen to podcasts to prepare for podcasts. Yeah. I'm not going to steal someone else's work. 
Yeah, that's kind of my thing. I don't, I'm just like, ah, I don't want to step on somebody else's toes or like take something in and just be like, I was listening to this one podcast and they told me they said this story. And it's, I, don't, I don't know. So, yeah. And the fact of the matter is we're not interviewing Mike Park. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To talk about the album. So we're talking about the album as we perceive it in whatever context we can put it in. your context for it today context today is i liked the album i think it's pretty good but i very it's very obvious like mike's first attempt at something outside of skank and pickle because in skank and pickle he was like one of three vocalists yeah and songwriters in that band and like a skank and pickle record would maybe have like three songs that were like holy him and then he would like do some extra vocals on other tracks. So there he's never carried a record before from front to back. And so this is his first real attempt at that. And even then he still doesn't carry the whole record from front to back. Cause he still lets uh Vinny or Chris, whichever, whichever one of the less than Jake guys, who's like the main lead singer, he lets them sing a couple songs on here too. Didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? This is your record, Mike. Why are you letting other people sing it? It's kind of how I felt when Jeff Rosenstock was singing like, solo on uh the most recent bruce lee band i was like no this is mike park's band you have your own jeff rosenstock (laughs) he gets to do his records (laughs) so i definitely think it's got it's it's like it's got its problems as far as just like it's it's rough around the edges in a way that being said there's a lot of really good songs on here like a lot of really really good songs on here and it kind of like covers a little bit of little bit of everything, really, that Mike kind of is known for. I ultimately do think it's the weakest Bruce Lee band album, including the uh, 2005 Beautiful World EP, uh, which that one was backed by the RX Bandits. They're the backing band on that record. Hmm. I listened to that, too. Uh, it's much better. <laughs> they're a much better backing band. But they're also probably like better musicians. I don't I don't feel like you can write like prog rock and not be like good at your instrument <laughs> well and they're so experienced at that point and less than jake here is not it's true it's true this is a very young less than jake whereas that would have been like middle period our expandits in 2005 about to put out their like considered their best record i think their 05 album and then like even like the reunion the new bruce lee band stuff it's like a super group of very experienced musicians so yeah yeah, I mean, I, the rough around the edges, I guess, comes from everybody involved with the record. So that's fair, I guess. Let's talk about the actual kind of, you know, record itself. There's, I'd say there's like four different types of song on here. 
there's your Mike Park ska song. Like you're like it's similar to what he would have written in Skank and Pickle and what he goes on to write in the Chinkies later. Just a good third wave ska song. There's the couple acoustic songs that Mike does solo. There's the sung in Korean songs. There's two of those on here. And then there's the songs that the Less Than Jake guys sing, which there's like two of those, I think. Which ones are those? Do you remember? Let's see. Standing Up for Justice. That's the Less Than Jake guy song. And then maybe it's just, yeah. At the very end, they did this very annoying secret track thing. Did you listen to all the secret tracks? There's two secret tracks on here. Um, I only heard one. uh, There's two. Uh, And the last one is the Less Than Jake guy's doing the Gilligan's Island theme song, but it's a punk song. It's not the melody of the Gilligan's Island theme. Uh, the other is the uh, A Girl Named Spike acoustic version. Yeah. That's that's a Skanky Pickle song, because it's right after the Don't Sit Next to Me Just Because I'm Asian acoustic song, too. So, yeah, the Gilligan Island, it's because it, I listened to it and I was like, it's not the Gilligan's Island's theme, but it's the lyrics to the Gilligan's Island's theme, which is like a spoken song. It's not even like a real song. <laughs> Yeah, so like, there's there's two by the Less Than Jake guys. So it's not uh, a lot, but but it's like third wave songs, and then there's a couple like actual just like punk rock songs, some acoustic songs, and then like a couple joke, short joke songs too. So what's the standout? What are the standouts on the album to you? It starts really strong. Superman and Jerry is strong, both together are really good songs. The Korean songs really stand out. Uh, Kamsamida and Hongo Mama. Uh, Hangul Ma Motaya. <laughs> Which I tried to find a translation for. Wikipedia says it's a trans it's translated to I do not speak Korean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is really funny because he he has this the songs that he sings in Korean and he's like, I don't I speak like elementary level Korean. Yeah. He says I, I speak like a six like a six year old yeah. like, quality Korean. Because he, because Jeff Rosenstock wanted him to write him a song in Korean to sing, and that's when he was like, "I don't actually speak Korean. <laughs> like, <laughs> his Korean is so limited. <laughs> that song is literally like two lines repeated over and over again. Yeah, I do think Kamsamita is a little bit more more lyrics, but yeah, it uh, which means thank you. Yeah, that's what that one means. Yeah, to me, like the best songs on here are the two Korean songs. Jerry is strong. Uh, Jerry is strong is probably like one of the best songs on the record. Proud is a really, really good song. Yeah. Proud is really good. Uh, Brother, brother is really good, too. Mm hmm. Yeah. I think the weaker songs are the ones that are just like more straightforward punk. Like they're not necessarily like that. That sky like calling for me list is OK, but it's like really short. And it's a joke song about like the name being on the list for a show. Yeah. Is my name on the list. He does uh, the spelling. L.I.S.T. Yeah. yeah. Going insane's okay. It's like about like a dog saying my name in a park or something like that. <laughs> and then song number three, part two, is another really like short, fast song. They're good, but I didn't I didn't like "Loved" by Ann B. Davis that much. It's another like punkier song too. To me, like the strengths of, on this record are the, like the fully ska songs and the the acoustic stuff. The acoustic stuff is. So which songs are those? We have Mr. Hanalei, which is about an episode of the Brady Bunch. Yeah, he just describes the plot of the episode. Yeah, and I told Dylan that we should watch the episode, do it for Masterpunk Theater, because <laughs> the yes. episode has Vincent Price in it too. 
Yeah, that is so weird. It's just the Brady Bunch. Like, yeah, that is a show I cannot stomach, really. But I think I could do one. <laughs> My guess is Mr. Hanley is like the only Asian character who's ever been on the Brady Bunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but isn't uh, the open And is sample? like from from the from the lyrics, it sounds like he's like, yeah, probably represented in a pretty stereotypical yeah, because it, it's about like they find like a tiki statue and yeah. it bad things are happening to them. So they go to Mr. Hanalei to tell them what to do. And he tells them to go to this cave and put it back and something like that. And Vincent Price is in the cave, I guess. <laughs> How that goes. Yeah, the mystical uh, Asian instead yeah. of uh, trope in this one, which I love all the samples on this because there's a I don't know what any of them are from. <laughs> like there's. There's multiple references to you know Bruce Lee, like Asian people being called Bruce Lee or knowing Kung Fu. And I guess they're just like racist episodes of TV shows or something that Mike watched as a kid or something. Yeah, that's an acoustic song. And I guess the other acoustics are Don't Sit Next to Me Just Because I'm an Asian, which is, you know, about like Asian people stereotypically being considered smart and you know, students copying off of his test though it does have a funny line how he filled it out his scantron out wrong and the yeah. guy copied him and then he erased the whole thing and the guy like failed and it was his last time to take the test <laughs> and then like the hidden track version of a girl named spike acoustic version which that is more of what he does as a solo musician later he does like a couple solo records where it's just just him playing and it's like acoustic guitar we haven't really mentioned the um the they might be giants cover she's an angel <laughs> yeah cover not as like one of the, it's not as like standout of a they might be giant songs though i don't know that's not the first record i think it's what i know pretty well um mm-hmm. it's an okay cover i don't think it's it feels a little bit like it was kind of like oh this would be easy to do because we know it it, it feels like filler and it, it it's appropriately sequenced towards the very end of the record like you know i don't think it's treated as like anything other than what it is but it's okay i think it's carried mostly on the strength that it's just a good song that but mm-hmm. i'm never gonna pick this version over they that they might be giants version no you know it doesn't do anything to really distinguish itself yeah because they might be giants are definitely known for like the kind of meticulous like arrangements on all of their music, like they incorporate a ton of instruments and different stuff. And so like, it has to be like put together in a way that like is clear and you hear everything and you, 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 and this, I, this is just to me, just says the less than J guys aren't strong enough musicians at this point to pull this off. They could probably pull it off better now, but it's just like, it's a punk band doing a cover. Like, it's how it feels. It's like, a, you know, very 90s, you know, put the cover song towards the end of the album. Second to last song, usually. Or it's like, what is it? No, what's the... You put it third to last because you do cover, your last full band song, and then you end with an acoustic song. Like, that was like the formula for like a lot of bands in the 90s and 2000s. So I tried to find like reviews on this album, and there's just like not a ton really out there. I did find an all-music review that's uh, pretty negative. The Bruce Lee Band seems to exist as a self-indulgent outlet for Asian Man Records owner Mike Park's misguided creative impulses. Between forced political commentaries like Stand Up for Justice, poorly barked vocals, and somewhat less than competent rhythm section, this is a record that should probably have stayed in Park's basement where it belongs. That's a, I think it's a needlessly harsh uh, review. The forced political commentaries like Stand Up for Justice, which... 
isn't that the one that's the other guy? It's the less than Jake guy wrote that. Like, why are you coming for Mike for that song? Maybe he wrote lyrics, but. Which is a song about standing up for my rights when I got a ticket in my car. Starting I was doing, stating I was doing something that I had not, I guess it's about going to court. (laughs) It's not really that much of a political statement, actually, at all. It's actually just about (laughs) getting a ticket and going and contesting it in court. Weird. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know, I, I don't know about the forced political statements of any of the songs dealing with racism. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. From the perspective of someone who has experienced racism, <laughs> pretty bad Self, review. Self-indulgent outlet. I mean, I don't know, maybe I don't know. So like, maybe that's the only point you could say is that it's like it was self-indulgent to release it as something that was not fully fleshed out. But it didn't even come out on his label. Yeah. It came out on Dill Records. That's not yeah. his label. <laughs> like, yeah. And it, it, the reviewer is like, it seems to think of him as a record store owner or a record label owner. Self-indulgent Allen for Asian Man Records owner Mike Park. Yeah. Misguided creative impulses. Yeah. It's not his record label. This is before Asian Man Records even exists. Uh, he had spent a decade or whatever in Skank and Pickle. Like, uh, shut up. <laughs> You want to talk about bad faith reviews? That's a bad faith review. People love to like <laughs> argue like a negative review is a bad faith review. It's like not all negative reviews are bad faith reviews. If you don't know anything about anything, then maybe it's a little yeah, bit more bad. bad faith. <laughs> uh, and then I was like, I don't I can't find any other reviews, except I found this review written by Justin H on Amazon <laughs> in 2003. Did I write this and did not know it? Five out of five stars. This CD rocks. If you like punk ska, you will love this CD. It has many great ska songs, and then it has a couple hilarious songs sung by Mike Park to his acoustic guitar. If you like Less Than Jake or Skank and Pickle, you will love this CD, because the group is composed of the band from Less Than Jake and the singer from Skank and Pickle. The CD dominates, and you should buy it. (laughs) If you like Less Than Jake and Skank and Pickle, great, because this album is Less Than Jake and Skank and Pickle. Like, that's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's how I would have written in 2003 though. So maybe I did write this in a coma and <laughs> yeah, not a lot, not a lot written about this album. No, no. I mean, and understandably, cause it's not like it, the Bruce Lee band didn't do anything after this. Exactly. It would be exactly 10 years before they were to release the follow-up EP, a beautiful world with a completely different backing band, the RX bandits. And then again, until 2014, when the band was revived on a more permanent basis with Jeff Rosenstock, Dan Podhast of MBU 330, Kevin Higuchi, and Matt Porter, and AJ Marquez of Slow Gherkin. And there's like a member of Chato Ghetto in the band, too. They have since released two full-length albums, multiple EPs, and to me, it's the best version of the Bruce Lee band. Mike's a better songwriter. It's like a mainly like ska project. It also incorporates lots more dub in the newer stuff too, like in traditional, like or like two tone type ska stuff. Yeah, well, that's which is a is a good segue at least to talk about something that about this record is that it does sit pretty well within the third wave sound yeah. of ska, which we didn't actually really talk about third wave ska broadly, so we can we could probably just tack that on here at the end. Yeah, this uh, this record does kind of do the third wave thing of really splitting between more typical ska rhythms and then more just like punk songs. And in this case, I don't think the horns are even on any of the like 
straightforward punk songs. And now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, those are almost just straight punk songs. So it's not even doing the punk with horns, which is kind of what I would think of less than Jake as. Yeah. I don't know if that's totally an accurate impression of them. Yeah, I guess we could do this. You know, I was talking about like third wave ska albums or ska albums that came out in 1995. Just to kind of get an idea of what what they're up against. So Tragic Kingdom, no doubt. That's kind of like the shining star of third wave ska really on this this list. You got Pez Core by Less Than Jake. You've got Everything Sucks by Real Big Fish, which I think is their first album, too. You've got a Scott P record, uh, Ferme by the Voodoo Glow Skulls, Dancehall Crashers, Lockjaw. Now, that's one I would want to listen to from this year. Yeah. There's a high standard. Eh, that's still more skate punk. There's a lot of, like, skate punk albums on here with yeah. ska songs. That's, like, a thing. They do, like, one ska song on an album. Yeah, there's a Mill and Colin record. Mm-hmm. And, you know, keep going. There's a Blue Meanies record, Kiss Your Ass Goodbye, Pie Tasters, Ululu. That one could be a little bit more, like, traditional. The New York Ska Jazz Ensemble. <laughs> yeah. Planet Smashers, self-titled, Bucko Nine, Barfly. Oh, Slapstick's Look It came out that year. That'd be a fun one. It's not, like, the big ones, though. Like, none of these are, like, the big third-wave Ska records, really. Yeah. There's so, a select, selector record. Hairspray. Yeah. So 95, I would have expected to be a little denser with Ska. And I mean, I guess there is the big stuff. There is the real big fish. There is Voodoo Glow Skulls. There is Less Than Jake. You know, it's maybe not that record by those bands, but they are important records by those bands. I mean, that's probably the Voodoo Glow Skulls record. Um, yeah, that one might be. Yeah. Well, one year later. OK, one year later, 1996, we've got. Real Big Fish has turned the radio off. Less Than Jake's Losing Streak. Suicide Machines, Destruction by Definition. Goldfinger's Self-Titled. The Aquabats, Return of the Aquabats. Upbeats and Beatdowns by Five Iron Friendly. So 96 is kind of like the year of, like, it explodes. You got a Fishbone, Against All Authority, The Green Album, The Toasters, Sort of Jelly Beans, The OC Supertones, <laughs> Adventures of the OC Supertones, <laughs> Chumps on Parade. So I guess Press came out in 94. I would be curious. Now, now let me look at 94 on the other end. Yeah. 94 is like uh, question the answers. Mighty, mighty Boston's. Um, there's a Mephiscopheles record. Sing along with Skink and Pickle. There's a Toasters record. Another back. Uh, another Buck 09 record that year. A Pie Tasters. So I really 94 looks stronger <laughs> than 95 was. Yeah. But so third wave ska which i'm looking at rate your music and it's interesting how they have ska punk ska core and third wave ska they're all the same thing all listed <laughs> as separate genres yeah i guess i guess you could call something ska punk and it not be from the third wave like i feel like the third wave i guess is like more of a specific era so that you would probably call a newer record a ska punk record like it's a mixture of punk and ska it's a ska punk record it's not a third wave record because it didn't come out in the third wave and it's not by a third wave band or members of a third wave band i think you can extend like a third wave band releasing a record in 2023 still call that a third wave ska record because that's they were there yeah but i wouldn't call any of like the new bands like a kill lincoln or anybody like that third wave because they're fourth wave <laughs> fourth wave just implies it's a wave of there's more there's a lot more Scott bands now than there were between the third and the fourth wave. Yeah. But yeah, to to think of third wave more 
yeah. Third wave is to me the broad catch all of of really what gets called ska in the 90s and some of it's rock with horns and some of it's like actually ska and like has that through line from from two-tone and and one of the things i really do love about mike park and his bands and his ska bands like is that that consistency from two-tone to what he's doing now is really strong and to me his bands and there's a few other kind of like third wave ska bands and records are in essence they are two-tone like it's like it's two-tone if you take away like the new wave thing yeah but it's like the same level of like ska that preceded two-tone like that that's traditional ska rhythm and that's that sensibility and how that it plays out in the band arrangements and like i think he's always been like most influenced by that stuff I mean, and he's the right, you know, I guess he's the right age and he's like, you know, that first he really is part of that. The origins of third wave ska, but yeah, I'd say like the three most important third wave ska bands to the formation of third wave ska, I guess, are Skink and Pickle, the Bostones and Fishbone, because they're they're the three who aren't doing two tone specifically. Well, they're like American versions of two tone. True. Yeah, that is the that is a big difference. They are all American. That is a. A stronger difference like it really is like the third wave really is punks getting two-tone records like yeah american punks getting two-tone records and being like oh i want to play ska and then branching out from there and listening to more jamaican ska and ska core as i've seen that used as a genre and i guess it is there is like a minor distinction between ska core and just ska punk because it's like well, the Bostones invented that, I think. They were the ones who used that term. And it, I think it was really referring to, we're hardcore guys doing ska music now. Like, that's kind of like how that started. Boston hardcore kids doing ska music. But I guess there is still like a, if you're going with a harder edge, maybe, like you could still call stuff ska core. Would you call like Jeff, like Bomb the Music Industry, like ska core? Yeah, it verges on it. Because it's like, when it's chaos. It's really why I don't like a lot of the Jeff Rose's stuff. <laughs> ska bands i like the arrogant sons of bitches i like that one because it was a little more third wave but yeah the, like the bomb the music industry and solo jeff versus stock ska stuff is just like it's so much it's so chaotic that i just yeah. don't get it but i don't know the ska punk ska core line it's a it's one that blurs very easily i think ska core definitely does make sense when you like apply it to like choking victim and leftover crack and that kind of like even not ivy crust ska yeah Against authority, yeah. Is it's that by the ska band? <laughs> it's definitely my least, you know, ska core. Something like the least appealing version of ska to me. Yeah, and a lot of the third wave is just like, yeah, it's just punk bands with with horns. Like a lot of it was the ones I think that kind of stand out a little better are the ones who attempt, you know, the upstrokes and like more traditional rhythms. Yeah, it's definitely the stuff that you're like, yeah, they really absorbed you know specials records yeah instead of being like the oh i like how they do a ska song on this no fx record yeah right <laughs> yeah rancid would get that too like oh this, this alcohol in the woods has some ska on it i was like yeah it's not a ska yeah. album though it's yeah. like they have it's a, a couple upstrokes it's a clash album 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. And we're not calling Clash Records ska records. They just throw in some upstrokes occasionally. But yeah, I think I think uh, that covers it. I don't really have much else in my notes. Mike Park's seriously one of my absolute favorite musicians all time. Love. If Mike Park's in it, I like it. Like, I don't think he's released anything that I'm just like outright dislike. Like, there's stuff I like better than others, but nothing he's ever released. I'm just like, this is awful. Why is this out? You know, like, he has good sensibilities in any project he's involved with. So definitely like and then Asian Man Records is definitely, I think, probably the uh, ideal independent DIY record label. Like he kind of like set the template for how so many labels run today. Just does it all out of the basement, out of his you know parents' garage. Yeah. He he did a TikTok this week of like his mom was like packing orders. Yeah. And she was telling him that it's not good for your business for people to see your mother packing your orders for you or something. <laughs> but yeah. It's a good record. Uh, well, new meter uh, that we've started throwing. Is it a thousand and one album to hear before you die? No. Yeah, I don't think it is either. Not not that one. I would pick a different one by them. Him. Later one, probably. Maybe Community Outreach. Yeah. You got a star rating for it? Solid four, 4.25. I'm going to go just under that and I'll do a 3.75. I didn't love everything on here. I definitely think it might be one of the weakest records in his discography I, don't know, I haven't heard all the solo acoustic records so maybe one of those but at least out of the ska stuff it might be my least favorite i don't know i'd have to dig through some more and reevaluate but but otherwise i still think it's solid good record good attempt good first attempt at a solo record so all right well that'll do it for this week uh next week we'll continue skagist with a new tone record that i'll be selecting i haven't quite decided what i'm gonna do yet i have to look through uh, we've covered Catbite in the past, so it probably won't be one of their albums. But uh, I'll look and see who else has put some stuff out in the last decade, I guess, that uh, I want to check out. So follow us online at all social media. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter, x.com. We're on Threads. We're on Blue Sky now. Well, I am. Uh, if anybody else is, please let me know. It's a ghost town out there. <laughs> uh only it's slightly less active than threads so that shows you how <laughs> how much it is there uh if i get an invite i'll be sending it to dylan so then we can at least be like hey back and forth on a platform that no one else can see yeah <laughs> we need another place to talk at each other yeah but uh that'll do it at punk pod and all that stuff so punk pod gmail.com 202-688-PUNK is our voicemail line and we will see you next week To order punk, call the number on your screen. Rush delivery is available. Remember, this special offer is not sold in stores.